It is impossible to read this morning's Torah reading without one word popping out and grabbing your attention in a way that it always does, certainly in the last 20-some years, but today more so than ever. Uh, as I was greeting people this morning, Irving Matlow picked it out right away. Uh, the, in the opening verses of the Torah, we read, that the earth was um, filled of, of, of corruption, and the earth was filled with Hamas, uh, an ancient word, thousands of years old in the Hebrew, it has the meaning of violence and oppression. That's how certainly Ibn Ezra understood it. Um, some translate it as robbery and so forth, but whatever, however you understand Hamas, the thrust of the Torah reading is that the earth was so filled with it that God decided that creation had failed. Creation had failed. And the only remedy that God could bring to the earth being filled with Hamas was a mabul, a flood, to wipe out the world, every living thing on the world, except for those that would go into the teva, the ark that he commanded Noah to build. Now, Vetishachet is another interesting word. It's a word that, according to Chizkuni, who's a 13th century commentary, according to Chizkuni, Vetishachet means the moral disintegration of humanity. So this verse, if we understand it in this way, in the Hebrew anyway, Vetishachet Elohim, that there was a moral disintegration of humanity that filled the earth before God, and as a result of that moral disintegration, the earth was filled with Hamas. Now, I don't believe it is an accident that Hamas chose its name. I think that they are aware of not only the Arabic meaning of the word Hamas, but the Hebrew meaning of the word Hamas. And the choice of the name of their terror group was designed to instill in its very name terror into Israelis and into Jews. Hamas is an acronym in Arabic, Harakat al-Makwama al-Islamiya, for the Islamic resistance movement. So the acronym means resistance in Arabic, but the Hebrew means violence. Words have meaning. They have meaning. And when used with purpose and intention, that meaning has consequence. We see that in the end of the Noah story as well with the Tower of Babel, with the Tower of Babel, where 
again, humanity fails. Creation fails, but this time, because God made a covenant that God wouldn't destroy the entire earth again if it failed, this time the punishment is to take all of humanity who was speaking one language and who, according to the Torah, were not only speaking one language, but of a singular idea. We're all thinking the same as if we were automatons, robots, and creates um, a dispersion and diversity. The Tower of Babel is ultimately an ideological story explaining the creation of language, of nations, and of culture. But it comes as a consequence for hubris, for humanity in its unity to think and behave as if it were equal to God. And God couldn't allow that. Words matter, and it's from the Hebrew bavel comes the English word babbling. And I want to talk about babbling this morning. I want to talk about the, the word gobbledygook and gibberish that we are seeing already in terms of moral relativism, of how quickly elements of the media and political leaders and others within our neighborhood are somehow or other walking back from the horrors and the atrocities of the butchery that Hamas accomplished, as if somehow or other now Israel is to blame for what is going on. I saw it um, just last week. I was watching, uh, flipping through the news channels. I happened to turn to ABC News, and they wanted to provide context for how we got to this moment of uh, yet another battle between Hamas and Israel. And it starts with the creation of the state of Israel. And what they presented was a map of the creation of Israel and meant immediately to what they called the forced expulsion of 700,000 Palestinians, which is it's partly true. As Israel was created, there was 700,000 Palestinians who became refugees. And historians argue over to what extent those refugees were caused by the five Arab armies that attacked Israel, who told them to leave their homes because once Israel was and the Jews were pushed into the sea, they'd be able to go back and not only have their homes, but the homes of the Israelis that were establishing their state at that time. And it is also true that when you fight a war, bad things happen, and there's some number of Palestinians who inevitably were forcibly removed from their homes and turned into refugees. That's the reality of war. It's messy. It's ugly. It's bloody. But what ABC conveniently left out of its conversation was that in 1947, the Palestinians could have created a state alongside of Israel. Imagine what would have happened if instead of saying no to that, the Palestinians created a state. 
They had an opportunity to create a state. And they said no, and the Arab armies attacked, and they lost. And they lost again in 56, and they lost again in 67, and they lost again in 73. And they said no after 67. In fact, they said no three times after 67 in Khartoum. They said no after 73, except for Egypt that finally said yes in 79. And then in the 1990s, you have Oslo and you had the possibility for it again. And the best offer that the Palestinians were going to get was Ehud Olmert and Yasser Arafat couldn't bring himself to say yes even then. Conveniently left out of the conversation, this is when we get into word gobbledygook. When we start saying things that aren't true, or we only provide half of the story to make it seem like somehow or other Israel is and has always been the aggressor. Where we forget in the telling of the story that in 2005, Israel left Gaza. Right? And that happened, by the way, because the Oslo Accords were met by the Palestinians with suicide terror and the Second Intifada. The world forgets that it's Hamas that created the suicide bomber and that it's the PA that still pays them and their families when they've done it. Words matter, the words that we speak as, word, as well as the words that we ignore and that we conveniently drop to the side when we're talking about a very complex problem. Israel left Gaza in 2005, and when it left, it left intact a billion-dollar flower business. Gaza had an airport. Gaza had a port. It had a hotel in Gaza City on the beach, and everybody was talking about Gaza potentially being the Riviera of, of, of that part of the world. But what did the Palestinians do? They tore down the agricultural business, and they used the, the, the airport and the port not to bring in infrastructure to build a just society, but to, build in, to bring in infrastructure to build a terror base. Why is it that Israel and Egypt, that's the other part of it, Gaza shares a border with Egypt. Why is it that Israel and Egypt have imposed a blockade on Gaza? Because they don't want to keep fighting wars. Because they want to protect their citizens from a genocidal terror organization that since its founding has been bent on only one thing, the destruction of Israel, and as we have seen also, the murder of Jews wherever they are in the world. Words matter. History matters. And when we forget it, and when we don't speak it, and when we allow others to forget it and don't speak it, horrible things occur. It's as if we have never learned the lesson that words create a context for violence, or they can create a context for peace.
The outpouring of sympathy for Israel, writes Yehuda Klein Halevi, was good for Israel's souls, especially in the first traumatic days. But we all knew, he writes, that much of that sympathy would begin to evaporate with the devastating scenes of the terrible destruction of Gaza. And he says, and this is what I think we need to remember when we talk about words this morning. He said, and we knew, Israel knew, that given the choice, we preferred to be condemned than pitied. One of the outcomes of having a Jewish state is that we don't need to be pitied by anyone else. It makes us feel good when we're recognized and we're pitied, that's for sure, because it validates, it validates what we've experienced and what the world has seen. But at the end of the day, having a Jewish state means that we have the ability to respond on our own, to defend ourselves, and to create a context by which Jews should be able to live in peace. So let me add another word to this conversation, and that word is justice. Justice. Justice means that Israel has no alternative, considering the magnitude and the brutality of this attack, but to respond. And that response, unlike previous responses, is not for a ceasefire or for a return to the status quo with Hamas. Hamas has successfully proved why Israelis and Jews are afraid of a Palestinian state. Now that doesn't mean that Israel can ignore the Palestinians. They've also proved that as well. We can't ignore the Palestinians. And some solution, long-term solution, to this conflict needs to be attended to. And I still believe that the best solution is a two-state solution, one for the Palestinians and one for the Israelis and Jews, just like was offered in 1947. But how you get from here to there cannot happen as long as Hamas continues to have the ability to not over, only rule over Gaza, but to strike at Israel with, without consequence. And that means that justice for Israel involves the eradication of Hamas and its infrastructure in Gaza. And that is messy. That is not going to happen, unfortunately, without the loss of innocent Palestinian lives. There's just no way to do it. It's an urban community. It is a community where Hamas continues to use their own people, let alone our 203 hostages, as human shields. And Israel, in order to accomplish this, not, has to not only do the bombing that it is doing, which is designed in military terms to soften the entry of the military, so that when the army goes in, it is easier for them to operate in order to protect their own lives. Israel 
allowed and warned and has still not invaded in order to give Gazans time to get to the south and in order to give um, humanitarian assistance to come in and to allow the United States to try to negotiate with Egypt and Jordan to create safe zones within their own countries, which they don't want. We'll talk about that at another time. Right? Israel has tried to do that, but the only way to succeed is the IDF is going to go in and it is going to go door to door and there are going to be booby traps and, the, and Hamas is going to come out from tunnels behind them and it is going to be a bloody war for the Palestinians and for the Israelis. But the reason there's 130% of reservists that have returned to Israel in order to wear the uniform and to do this is because every single Israeli understands now that when Hamas says it wants to eradicate Israel and kill the Jews, it means it. And that the only way for Israel to live in peace and security is for Hamas to cease to exist. That is the meaning of justice within this context. Now, Israel must and we should criticize Israel if it goes over the line of fighting what we in the West understand to be the rules of war. It's a crazy thing to posit that there should be rules of war, but we do. We accept that there should be rules of war, but proportionality is not you kill one and I kill one. That's ayin tachet ayin in the Torah. That's talion. That's not how the Torah understands it. Proportionality is you use the force that's necessary to accomplish your mission with minimizing the loss of innocent lives. That's what that word means. And that's what justice means in this context. And we need to know that and understand these words and be strong enough and courageous enough to speak them aloud to our neighbors, to our friends, to our politicians, and to the press. Because if we don't do it, Israel will very quickly be hampered in carrying out the mission that it needs to carry out in order to protect itself. Words matter. They have meaning. Now more so than ever. And I want to say one more thing about words before I sum this up, and that is all of those who rushed to judgment when the hospital was bombed in, in Gaza are using their words inappropriately. The Arab world and around here, the, everybody rose up as a result of this terrible tragedy, but nobody waited for the evidence to see who was really responsible for it. And if Israel was responsible for it, then you have to determine whether or not it was an accident or intentional. Because remember, wars are messy. Accidents happen. Innocent people die. Friendly fire as well as enemy fire. As it turns out, the evidence seems to suggest that this was an Islamic Jihad rocket that misfired. And everybody also forgets when we're thinking about the words that if Hamas didn't attack Israel, there would have been no attack on Gaza. If Israel lays down its arms, Israel ceases to exist. If Gaza, if Hamas lays down its arms, there's a potential for a two-state solution. I'm saying this because we have to remember this if we're going to speak words of truth and of setic and of justice at this moment of crisis. We're in for a very long, very difficult future. I am optimistic 
that at the end, Israel will be there. God willing, they'll accomplish their mission. God willing, it'll be with as minimum Palestinian loss as is possible. And I do, I, I grieve for the loss of innocent lives. It is such a waste. But Israel is not responsible for the actions of Hamas and what those actions mean for their own civ civilian population. And if we're gonna understand this, we must understand that Israel is fighting a just war because it has no choice. They're not easy or victimless, as Yehuda Kurtzer writes. Just wars are just because they are morally necessary. Because pacifism, he writes, in the face of unfettered evil is an untenable moral position. The Baal Shem Tov, the father of Hasidim, teaches us something from the Parsha about words that I think relates to the topic that I just shared. In commenting on the verse, Come you, Noach, and all of your household, El Hateva, into the ark. The Besht offers a translation of the word Teva that can mean word. It can mean word. In which case, the meaning of the verse is Come, Noach, you and all of your household, El Heteva, into the word. Delve into the meaning of every word of Torah and prayers with all of your strength and spiritual dedication. Our task as Jews who want to be able to prevent the moral justification for this war as well as criticize Israel and hold it accountable when it goes over that moral line, we have to learn to dive into and delve into the meaning of every teva, of every word, with all of our strength and all of our spiritual dedication. And if we do that, then perhaps on the other side of this crisis will be an opportunity to rebuild not only for Israel, but for the Palestinians as well. Shabbat Shalom.